Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. One night, one goal. Stop suicide. Register today for the overnight and join thousands in Washington, D.C. on June 3rd as we walk 16 miles from dusk till dawn to stop suicide. Start your journey today at theovernight.org. What's good, family? Jalen here. I have some great news to share with you. We have recently launched BWR Academy, the number one online school and community focused on teaching personal finance and wealth building principles. By becoming a member, you will gain access to premium financial education covering the topics of credit and financing, debt repayment strategies, retirement planning. That's right, we're going over 401ks, IRAs, and everything in between. Life insurance, we'll be having weekly budgeting and accountability calls, and so much more. You will also gain access to a powerful network. For years, we have been preaching, your network is your net worth. So here's your chance to increase your social capital. We will be having many of our previous podcast guests coming back to teach exclusive classes that can only be found through BWR Academy. We have also partnered with Capital, a premier financial app that will allow you to participate in our quarterly savings challenge. We have a goal of helping a thousand families save $1 million collectively. We'll make sure that you are not a part of the 74% that cannot afford a $1,000 emergency. So if this sounds like the type of environment you would like to be a part of, make sure you sign up by clicking the link in the show notes. Make sure you sign up now because spots are extremely limited. See you in the academy. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Have you been thinking about starting a podcast, but you don't know exactly where to get started? Maybe you don't know exactly what equipment you should buy or who you should go through with the hosting platforms. Well, good news. I created a course just for you. It'll be showing you how to make the fewest mistakes possible on your podcasting journey. It's called the Podcasters Playbook, and it's a total masterclass taught by me, showing you all the techniques and tricks that we use behind the scenes of the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast. Swipe up now. Click the link in the show notes so you can purchase the podcast's playbook. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. 
I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on, do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellar, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host, Jalen. How you feeling, bro? What's good? What's good? What's good? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. I'm feeling great, man. We rocking and rolling. It's cold as hell in Texas today, yes, man. I ain't gonna yes. lie to y'all. It's cold. <laughs> but, you know, we in the lab, we in the booth, we working. So we got that heat, that pressure coming for yes, y'all. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, man. I am ready for this episode. This is another dope episode we got coming for y'all. As you can see, if you're watching this, we got an in-person guest. Great sister out of the state of New York working in estate planning as an estate planning attorney, helping people get their stuff together. We talk about generational wealth all the time, um, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about the main part of it, which is passing it down. And this is what we got this lady here to talk about. So let me introduce Ms. Lily and Chekor. Lily, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. I'm glad to be with you guys today. Thank you so much for coming on the I show. Know. We appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you for you. pulling up. We always happy whenever someone pulls up on us. <laughs> I did. It. I look, literally pulled up on y'all last week. I was like, what y'all doing down there? Can yeah, I, she, can I come? <laughs> she, she hit us up. She was like, yeah, I'm going to be in Houston. I heard y'all down there. Like, well, actually, we in Dallas. She said, shit, I'm in Dallas. I was like, oh, let's make it happen. Like, let's do this. Perfect. It was like the stars are lying. Yeah, yeah, like just yeah. divine intervention just yes. happening. Yes, exactly. I exactly. love it. No, I love what y'all are doing. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm happy to share with you guys and our audience whatever they need, whatever we need. Appreciate it so much. So we're going to get right into it, Lily. Okay. So for anybody that's unfamiliar with you, the way we always kick these shows off, we want to ask you, like, how did you get your start in the industry? Like, how did you hmm. find your way into the state plan? What even made you want to do this? <clears throat> Those are all very good questions. Um, when I was in law school, tax planning and estate planning were real talk, the only two classes that I liked. Mm-hmm. Everything else felt very jurisdictional. Like, ah, oh, it depends on what the judge says in the eighth district and all of this stuff. I was like, what is the answer? <laughs> and tax law says the answer is 11. Thank you. I, I could do numbers, right? Coming from a science background. So I loved it. But then the other thing that I loved about estate planning, David, was it made me feel powerful. It made me feel like, wait a minute, I just need the right paperwork. And I can pass things on to my daughter and my daughter's daughter and my daughter's daughter's daughter. Mm-hmm. I just need to write it down and make sure it complies with the state law. Oh, this is great. Everyone should know about mm-hmm. this. So I was very fortunate enough to get a job in that area out of law school. It was a funky little hybrid, though. I didn't go straight to a law firm. I didn't go to a law firm, period. And I just had a conversation with a homie in the car about how the reason I did that is because the law firm sometimes can kind of like just throw you in the back and say, you do the research that none of the other attorneys want to do. And it felt very limiting. But working in the financial services industry, I get to speak, I get to write, I get to travel, I get to talk about all these estate planning concepts and do it outside of the four walls of, you know, a cubicle in a law firm. So I started in the financial services industry and then worked my way up to having my own firm. Mm. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah. So you went to school originally for science, you said? I did. I went to, shout out to Rutgers, New Brunswick. Thought I was going to be pre-med, but biology <laughs> Same didn't. thing happened to me. <laughs> I feel it. That's when you're like, oh, calculus does not like me. Okay, so let me drop this. I kept the bio. I kept the public health. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to be in that science space. And I actually went to law school to focus on health law. That was whack. <laughs> and so I changed course and decided to do taxes and estate planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, and that's so interesting. Like you said, like you went from trying to be in the health. Mm-hmm. I got a question. Like what made you choose the health side? Real talk. It was something that was ingrained in me. My mom mm-hmm. is a nurse. My brother's a nurse. And my parents are from Nigeria. And if you know anything about... They love their medical. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of West Africans, it's like uh, doctor, nurse, pharmacist. And this push that that's without taking into consideration, like, who is this person? What's their skill set? What did God put them here to do? It's like, I don't care about none of that. You go be a nurse. You go be a pharmacist. So pursuing sciences was more like a, let me make my parents proud type of mm. course of action. And then law school was a, I think I'll be good at this. Let me try it out for myself, course of action. Mm. So Yeah, I definitely want to dive into that because I know that's like something a lot of people, not it's not just Nigerian no, people. Like you're right. A lot of people struggle with that, like your expectations versus what your parents mm-hmm. expect for you. So like, can you speak to what that process was like going against that grain? I had to block out a lot of people. <laughs> I had to say, I'm going to law school and then hang up the phone. <laughs> So I couldn't get too much pushback. But yeah, for a long time, and this is no disrespect to my parents, for a long time, they just didn't understand Mm -hmm. it and weren't necessarily like the biggest cheerleaders in the world. But eventually I realized that to them and to most parents, they want you to do something that is safe Mm -hmm. so that they don't have to worry about you. They don't want to worry about you. So once I could get to a point where I could prove to them, you don't have to worry about me. They never sent me money. They never bailed me out of anything. Mm -hmm. I never got sick and needed to go home. Like I was very self-sufficient and independent. And then that's when they were able to say, okay, maybe it's not the profession we would have chosen for you, but it seems like you have a good handle on it. So we'll leave you alone. But up until that point, you have to create kind of a thick skin where you're like, I respect your opinion and I understand why you're coming from where you're coming from, but I'm going to practice being bold and live my life, not the life that you thought that I should have. It's practice. Even today, sometimes, I'm afraid to call my mom because I'm prepared for a guilt trip, right? (laughs) So it never goes away. You just figure out the psychology of why people are doing what they're doing. And then you start to take it less personally. Mm. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. 
That's interesting too, though. Like the fact that you are still going into the field of law, mm -hmm. that they didn't see it as secure as the medical field. My mom specifically didn't see it as secure because as most people, and especially people outside of the U.S., law is a white male field. Mm. And she was concerned that her black daughter would not get clients. Mm. They would not hire me. A law firm wouldn't hire me. I couldn't have my own thing because no one would want to come and hire a black attorney. That was her fear. And that's crazy that we have those type of self-limiting beliefs mm -hmm. because, you know, it's things that happened in the past that, you know, it probably was like that yeah. where, you know, you really wouldn't succeed or you're probably getting a certain level of clients because of us being black. Right. But now that we move forward, you know, sometimes our parents still have that type of same, thinking. Same mentality. Yeah, yes. that same mentality. That yes. Like, oh, my child cannot be successful in this field because it's dominated by a white man or this is a right. white person's industry. So we don't belong we there. We don't belong there. And I, I'm glad that you like took it upon yourself to say, no, this is where I do belong. Yes, I agree. And you have to get used to seeing it. Mm -hmm. Like nobody imagined a black president until President Barack Obama, right? <laughs> That's a fact. My mom now doesn't think that being an attorney is a wild concept because she has her daughter who does it. You have to see it. So something could be happening in the environment but if you don't see it with your own two eyes consistently in your community, you don't even think that it's an option. And I don't think my family just thought it was an option, not because they didn't think I was smart, but because they didn't see it happening anywhere around it. Mm, that's know? major what you're saying right there, because that's like one of the main reasons for us starting this was because it's like sure. exposure. Mm. We don't get exposed to these things, so we don't see them as a reality. So like conversations like the ones we're having right now, it kind of helps turn those gears in people's yes. minds. Like, no, like, look, just because this, this and this don't mean you can't do whatever you did. It's, right. It goes back to, like you said, having that thick skin and really having that ability to bet on yourself and hold on to your vision. Right. Whenever it even whenever it get bleak, like a lot of people think like, oh, it's always going to be peaches and creams and stuff. But you just got to be you got to have that tenacity. I you guess. do. You do. And even if you don't have thick skin, because sometimes, you know, Instagram advice is like, go hard or go home. And even if you don't have thick skin, surround yourself with people who speak positively to you. Get in the habit of when you feel like you're about to be down on yourself, what's a trick? What's a coping mechanism? What's something you can do to turn the story around? Because it's okay if you're sensitive. It's okay if it hurts your feelings. But how do you manage those emotions and don't absorb them? Yeah. Hey, that is powerful. Right <laughs> that is powerful. I ain't gonna lie, man. You gotta be thinking about it. Like, Cause, think about it, think about it. Cause it's easy to let people like infiltrate your, your energy. Yes, like, 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 yes, like, 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 yes, 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 Go hard, go yeah. 24-7. Yeah. I don't get tired all get, that Get shit. checked, get flued out. You're like, what's happening right now? Why am I going to do all this work? <laughs> you got to take that time to like really, yeah, get your mental together. Mm -hmm. You ain't going to hit no next level if you're sitting here struggling with all these thoughts. All these thoughts, yeah. And figure out what practice works for you. Me, 20 minutes in the morning meditation works for me. Accountability group that we talk every morning works for me. Maybe yours is the gym. Maybe yours is, I don't know, Netflix. I don't know. Find something that allows you to reduce the negative thoughts, the negative mm. energy, the negative comments, and um, practice building up something for yourself that makes you feel better, that makes you feel stronger. 
Mm, I like that. Mine is definitely the gym and like being outdoors. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, I gotta go get it. Good. Get it. Gotta crack open one of them books, man. <laughs> go read. And yours is to read. Oh, yeah, okay. Read. That's the escape. I did kind of want to like hop into some of the estate planning stuff with okay. you. So for like anyone who is unfamiliar, what is estate planning? Because like we hear it, but you know, not everybody is familiar. Estate planning really is just the orderly distribution of your assets. You have stuff. Eventually you're not going to be here. So people and things and assets will be left behind. Where do they go? We just want to have a conversation about where does it go? So estate planning is just all about, this is who my children are. This is who my spouse is. These are my assets. This is what I own. This is what I don't own. This is what I owe. Mm -hmm. And this is how I want all of those assets and all of those people to be taken care of. And the hard thing about estate planning is people conflate estate planning with estate tax planning because estate tax planning is for the wealthy. That means you have so much stuff that the federal government or the state government says, hmm, David's rich. Let me tax a certain portion of his assets. And if you have enough money where you're going to be in that situation, then you need to engage in estate tax planning. The problem, at least in America, is we confuse the two. And people think, because I'm not wealthy, I don't need to do estate planning. But estate planning is for everyone, because like I said, it's just the orderly distribution of your assets. Estate tax planning is for the wealthy. So I tell persons, don't get caught up in the value of your assets. Just focus on what you want to happen to those assets and to those people when you're not here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you said that you spoke to that, because like, I never really thought about separating the two in that sense. So like with estate planning, is it just more so like wills and like trust and all that stuff? Yeah. So estate planning is just the series of documents that you will use to distribute your assets or the documents you'll use to name someone as your child's guardian. If God forbid, both parents passed away before they reached the age of 18 or 21, whatever the state says, right? That's what estate planning is. Estate tax planning takes it to the next level and it says, you're going to owe $3 million in taxes. What strategies can we implement to get your bill down to zero or get it down to as low as it can get and then figure out a way to pay it? That's a little bit of a different monster, but I get it. Like in American culture, even on movies, right? Like they always have this scene where there's like a super rich, wealthy family and they all gather around the TV for uncle or dad to have a will by the yeah, TV, the video will say, you get this, you get this, you. And so it creates this narrative that, oh, that's for the wealthy people over there. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do that in my family because I don't have a ranch or I don't have a house to leave somebody. But it's really just the orderly distribution of your assets because your assets will go to somebody somehow. Can we organize it and do it the right way? Mm. So whenever someone doesn't have these documents in place, what does happen to that? The state dictates what happens. So every state, if you die without a will, then it's called intestate. So Texas, New York, Michigan, no of all the 50 states, they all have a statute that says, if you die and you don't have a will, this is how we will distribute your assets. Typically, it's if you're married and no kids, we give it to your spouse. If you're married with kids, we'll split it some portion between spouse and kids. No spouse, all kids, give it to kids. And they'll just start looking for your relatives until... If you don't have anything, anyone, then it goes to the state. And it's rare, but it happens. I have a guy right now that has, well, he's passed away, over $300,000 in a pension plan. No parents, no siblings, no 
children, no nieces and nephews. The money's just with the state of New York. The woman that he would have wanted to have it was like his little play niece, but they're not biologically related. So the state not going to give The state is not recognizing that as a relationship. And he didn't have a will to say, I want her to have it. So that's just 300 grand sitting with New York. And they're like, thank you. Dang. So can we kind of get into some of the documents that you would need for a state planner? I know for sure one is a will. Mm-hmm. You talked about if you get sick or something, a power of attorney. Yes. Like, yes. can we break down some of the basic state planning documents you should have in place just to make sure that if you ever fall sick or die unexpectedly, this is what you should have. Okay. So in my professional opinion, there's three documents that everybody should have. There's a whole host of different types of estate planning documents, but these are the three I think everyone should have. And then we can sprinkle in some other stuff. I think everyone should have the emergency documents. That's the power of attorney and the healthcare proxy. That means I'm incapacitated. Something has happened to me and I'm naming my agent and giving them the right to make decisions on my behalf. So I love the analogy of LeBron James, huge LeBron James fan. Don't say nothing about it. (laughs) He has an agent. He doesn't go to every single meeting. He can't possibly do that, right? So he said, yo, this is my agent. Make these decisions for me. So you have the right to say, Jalen, yo, if anything happens to me, you can sign contracts. You can make decisions for BWR. You can have access to my checking and my savings account. That's the power of attorney. Or you can say, and you can say, you can make these decisions from a healthcare perspective because the doctor's going to want to look to someone if you're incapacitated, coma, Alzheimer's, dementia, you're just in surgery and you shouldn't be able to talk during surgery, right? Unless it's, you know, <laughs> you're under the knife, you're under anesthesia, who can make decisions on your behalf when you're incapacitated? So I love to start there because people think estate planning is just a will and it's only necessary if you have assets. But just naming someone your power of attorney or naming someone your healthcare proxy agent is important because I could, God forbid, have a car accident today. I'm not dead, I'll probably recover, but I need someone to come in and say, to just act as my healthcare advocate, essentially. So in that situation, if someone were to like get an accident and they would need a power of attorney for a specific period of time mm-hmm. until they recover, is there a difference between just that and like another? Because I've seen something like along the lines of like durable power of attorney. Yeah. Versus, uh, the springing. springing. Yeah. yeah. So durable means that power starts right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're the principal, the person who's creating the document, if the power of attorney is the principal. I can be your agent. So the moment we both sign this, it's notarized, it's witnessed, I have the power to do everything that's in that document right now. Like I can go to your bank right now. Durable means right away the power starts. The pros of that is I don't have to prove that you're incapacitated. Mm -hmm. See, with the springing, you might say, Lil, you only get that authority after I become incapacitated. Well, now I got to go to the court and get different doctor's opinions to prove that he's incapacitated. That takes time. What if I need to start making decisions for you really quickly? The durable power of attorney allows me to do that right away, but it's super powerful. So you need to make sure you trust me. Yeah, you can't, you can't, yeah, <laughs> I, was just, I was just about to say, man, you better make sure you trust, trust that person. Choose well, and these are all flexible documents. So if you and I have a falling out or I tell you, listen, I'm moving to Timbuktu literally, and I don't think I can do that for you all the way across the earth, then just change it. All of this can be changed. Mm, okay. All of this can That's be what I, I, I guess that was another part of it too. Yeah. Like I, I figured like with durable power of attorney, it may have been like, once you do this, like 
since you're legally giving them the right to be mm-hmm. your representative, yeah. they would have to be the person to go to the court. Oh, no, that's too much. Like that. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you could do all of that. No, give them the authority to make decisions for you while you're incapacitated. You trust this person, so you give me that power. You know I'm not going to your checking account right now. Mm -hmm. I'll only go there if I absolutely have to. You're incapacitated. Your landlord's like, I'm sorry to hear that. Where is his rent check? I don't want to pay it out of my account so I can go (laughs) to your account and pay it, right? It's that type of stuff. And I always tell people, even if you don't want to do it for yourself, think about your parents. A lot of us will be Mm. responsible for caring for our parents and our grandparents. Do you have the authority to make the decision for your mom, for your dad? You can't just go up in there and say, well, that's my mom. I can have access to her checking account. Bank of America don't care about No. Yeah. Where's so, the power? Where's the power? Exactly. Show me the paperwork. Show exactly. <laughs> legal paperwork. And even then they'll scrutinize it with the microscope because they don't want to be sued mm-hmm. and have mom say, you shouldn't have allowed my daughter to take my money out of my checking account. Mm. So they're going to scrutinize it as well. So That's important to have. And the other thing that people forget is this document is only powerful as long as the principal is alive. So I can only be your agent as long as you're alive. Mm -hmm. When you pass away, I don't have any authority. And it's not uncommon for people to come to me and say, I have my mom's power of attorney and her bank is not allowing me to do it. I was like, oh, okay, where's your mom? She died three months ago. Well, that's why they're not letting you. Mm -hmm. Your power's gone. Then you need to go to the will. So there's levels to this. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So power of attorney is the first first document mm-hmm. you would have in place. So is the next level the will or what's the next level? Power of attorney, healthcare proxy. I would start with those two mm-hmm. simultaneously. No need to like split it up and all of that. So what's a healthcare proxy? That's just like you said, if I'm incapacitated, mm-hmm. I'm under the knife. Right. Maybe, God forbid, they got to pull a plug. Right. That's the person that they're yeah, looking for. Yeah. So the power of attorney, you're giving the agent to make legal Mm-hmm. and financial decisions for you. And the healthcare proxy is you're giving that agent the authority to make medical decisions for you. It could be the same person, or if you want to split it up, you can do that. But power of attorney, the legal, the paperwork, the money, healthcare proxy, all things related to your health. Mm, okay. For the most part. Yeah. Well, thank and, you for that explanation. The third document is the will. Yes. So for wills, like, do you have to go to an attorney? Because I mean, we just kind of talked on that, uh, the video will idea. Yes. <laughs> do, do you always have to go through an attorney for a will to be considered like legal? No, you don't. You can create your own will. You can get it from all these services online who will be named, will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> the pros and cons. Listen, if you're really, really strapped for money mm-hmm. or really, really strapped for time, and you want to go on suchandsuch.com and get a will, you can do that. As long as it's signed, as long as it's witnessed, as long as there's a notary, it's still valid. So I'm not going to tell people not to do that because that's better than nothing. But the downside of that is it's a software system. So it's assuming the user knows what they're doing. It's like me going on to TurboTax and I'm just following the prompts. I'm like, I hope I'm following the prompts, right? Right? Yeah. I hope this refund is real. So I hope I don't be in jail. <laughs> that wasn't on my agenda to go to jail this week. Let's hope everything works out. So there's a bit of user error. As your life and your dynamics change and your needs change, you still have an old sale document. The dot-com website is not going to email you five years from now. It's time to renew your document. Probably not, right? And then as the law changes in your jurisdiction, you don't know because that's not your area of expertise. Like maybe there is some new aviation law in Arlington that just passed. I don't know that. I'm not in aviation. So I suggest working with someone who lives with, not literally lives with you, but they know what's going on with you. 
They have a relationship with you. They can make changes. They can say, oh, you got married. Oh, you got divorced. Oh, you bought your second property. Oh, you started this business. Oh, you sold this business. And they can keep abreast of all mm -hmm. the changes that are happening in your life. They can let you know how the laws have changed. They have a relationship with you and your family so that after you pass away, they can come to you to help do the next phase because there's estate planning while we're alive and we're getting all the paperwork together. And then there's estate administration after you've passed. Now let's do what the documents tell us to do. That's a whole mm, other beast. Yeah. So having someone who was there from the beginning, I know it's not perfect. It doesn't always happen that way, but it makes it easier. It makes it a whole lot easier yeah. if you got a person that you can refer to instead of a dang yeah. computer generated yes, piece of paper. Exactly. I was just about to ask about the written out part because you said you can also write it out, correct? It depends upon the state that you're in. So that's called a holographic will. Not every state recognizes holographic wills. So you'd have to look up in your state if they allow that. If they do, you could do it, but I still wouldn't recommend it. But yeah, only there's some, not a lot of handful of states do that. Some states would be like, oh, you know, if you're on your literal deathbed, we'll allow you to do that. But it's not the most common way. Sound like some Louisiana woods. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's not, 20, 40 years behind everything. Still, like, yeah, Louisiana <laughs> probably still letting it rock. <laughs> but, uh, like, you can put it in the sand, <laughs> right in here with your finger. You know, just sign real here. Right in the sugar cane. <laughs> <laughs> Lily, you just mentioned um, a state administration before mm -hmm. that. So, with a state administration, as you have an attorney in place and all that, and you talked earlier on the interstate part. Where does the probate courts fit into this? That is a great question. That's the administration part. So mm -hmm. think of estate in two parts. The estate planning, we're getting everything together. We're alive, we're healthy, we're putting together the documents. I'm making sure the documents do exactly what you want it to do. The estate administration is, okay, unfortunately now this person has passed away. We need to take this will to the probate court. Probate is just the process of proving that this will is valid. The court's looking mm. at it to make sure, was he coerced? Do we have proof that this is his signature? These persons that he names in his will, are they, are they alive? Like, what's going on here? The court has a vested interest in making sure that your assets pass according to the way that you said they want them to pass. Because otherwise, then what's the point of doing any of this? If I can create a will and then someone does the complete opposite, why did I do any of this, right? So probate is that. If you don't have a will, then you don't do probate. You do the estate intestacy that I spoke mm -hmm. about earlier, where you're still going through the court, but now you're bound by the statute in the state and not and your instructions. Exactly. So they don't, New York doesn't know. I mean, I might, I'll die. My husband gets everything, but they might not know he's not good with money. They might not know he has an addiction. They may not know he's already independently wealthy. And I really wanted that to go to so-and-so. Mm -hmm. They don't know that I wanted to give that to my alma mater. They're just like, she died. She didn't have a will. Oh, she got this dude. Okay, he gets it. Just like that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that so, even more, more to have that will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Blended families, that's a reason to have a will. Again, people who have minor children, mm -hmm. just think about, I'm not here. My child's other parent is not here. Whether or not you're in a relationship or not, it doesn't matter. Two of the parents are now gone. We got a seven-year-old. We got a 16-year-old. That whole, like, my mom will take care of them. You don't know that. I tell mm -hmm. people all the time, death and money changes things very, very quickly. So who takes care of your child? Who gets your home? All these people single and balling. Ah, I got my condo. Da, da, da. 
Okay, if you're not married and you don't have kids, who gets that? Mm-hmm. You don't have to be wealthy to have these conversations. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Mm. And that's very, very interesting. Even like you said, like, even if you up and coming and you still got this money, like, yeah. it could, someone else can benefit from it. Even like you said, your schools, like, maybe you were a person who grew up in a homeless shelter and you might have like a homeless shelter yep. you want to donate to or yep. something like that. So exactly. that's, that's very, very interesting to think of it that way. I never it, really it, thought of it like no, that. It's, it, it comes in handy. I have a client right now who's, <laughs> she's leaving quite a bit of money to all these pet organizations. And I'm like, ma'am, are you sure? <laughs> to the what? To the squirrel I society? Not, I hope she's not leaving it the to squirrel Carol society. Basket. You want to leave how much to the squirrel society? But guess what? She has every right to do that. Because it's wow. her money. Because it's her money. And she putting it on paper. And she's like, my kids ain't been doing shit. So I'm going to give it to this cat society. <laughs> I'm going to give it to her world. Give it to They're going to be hurt whatever. Hey, tell her. Actually, she's looking to adopt somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I call her every week, every day. <laughs> so, but she has the right to do yeah. it. She has the right to do it. And I mentioned earlier about how, remember, everything you own will eventually be owned by somebody else. I used to live in Jersey. And... um. There was a really nice area in New Jersey called Montclair. And there used to be estate sales. You know what that is? That means you owe money, but you didn't do proper planning. And now we need to start selling stuff to give money to the IRS. Now I got your stuff. (laughs) I got your vintage plate set instead of you giving it to your son, which is what you wanted. Planning is just about who's getting my stuff when I'm not here. I want to make sure it goes to the right person at the right time in the right way. See, I didn't know estate planning meant that like, oh, I owe this. Now they're just taking my... I thought... Like the estate sale? I, yeah, the estate sale. That's I'm sorry, the, not the plan. That's what the estate sale is. I owe the federal government. They want... The IRS wants cash mm-hmm. in Damn. nine months. See, I didn't know that that's what that meant. I thought that... That was just like the family just selling what was going on yeah, in the I house. Thought, I honestly thought it was more so like a probate court situation. I was like, okay, well, I didn't know it was because they owe money. It depends. Some people are selling it because they're like, I don't want all this. My mom's all these old fur coats. Let's just make a garage sale, right? But there are some people who are selling assets in order to come up with their IRS bill mm, or any bill, right? That's Damn. another thing. I always tell people about generational wealth. It's not just do I have a beach house in the Hamptons to leave my son. Can you just not leave people with debt? Let's start there. Mm, That's a fact. Debt is a huge hindrance. How many of people can't do what they want to do because they got Sally Mae on them or they got some other random debt on their Mm -hmm. shoulders? If I can say, okay, daughter, son, here's my house. And also here's a chunk of change to pay the mortgage, pay the property taxes, Mm -hmm. do this, do that. I'm really giving them a full gift as opposed to, yeah, I'm sorry that I died. Expect a call from Macy's because what happened was, like, can we just talk about not leaving people with debt? And I think that's where life insurance plays a huge role. Absolutely. We talked about this with our brother Wes. Like, whenever you have these debts and all these things like this, you should be having a life insurance plan that's set up to take care of this whenever you're dying. Because everybody loves to make this a binary argument. like term versus uh versus oh, permanent, permanent hold yeah. and all that but you can have both you can have yes. anything especially if you got assets to pass down right like if you got a balance on your mortgage and god forbid like you said you die mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Now your kids responsible for this mortgage or your wife responsible for this mortgage, your income gone. At the very least, you should have some insurance to cover that. Totally agree. So now we actually creating wealth. You're not just leaving people with debt. Totally agree. Leave them with enough money to pay off the mortgage. Leave them with enough money to pay off whatever debts. Leave them with enough money to cover burial expenses. I feel like our community can get to the next level so quickly just by managing debt. We have we haven't even gotten into, oh, did you buy Tesla stock and what about this? And did you like we can have that conversation, too. But the strides we would make if we weren't leaving people with debt and if we just had a basic will to say, let's keep the house in the family. Mm. So that's does. Life insurance kind of play a role in estate planning? Absolutely. I talk about it all the time with my clients. Do you have the right amount? Do you own it personally? Should we put it inside of a trust because there are benefits of doing that? I like to have, and I mentioned earlier, me starting out in the financial services industry got gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to have my legal hat on and my financial hat on. Mm. So it's nothing for me to talk about investments, to talk about annuities, to talk about insurance products, mm-hmm. because it's all part of the plan. Like, you should have your round table of advisors that touch on all of this stuff, not just one magical person that does everything. That person doesn't exist. Mm. So you get your will. Fantastic. Thank you. But don't forget your insurance person. and Don't forget your investment person. And don't forget your real estate person. You need a team. You need mm. a team. Ain't nobody doing this by themselves. Mm. Yeah. Even That's you amazing. see me here physically with you, but three people behind me, possibly a fourth. And they in New York. Getting get things done would need to be New done. Exactly. Why she in Dallas? Exactly. See how this works. <laughs> it's, all, it's all connected. You got to find the right team, though. So we all need an estate planning team to some degree. You're not, you don't have to do it all at once, but do something and be intentional about it. Wealth is very intentional. That's what I mm. learned in my financial life background. The wealthy clients who were coming to me, they didn't just find it in the dumpster. Mm-hmm. It was very intentional. The way they grew it, the way they spoke about it, the way they passed it on to the next generation. So we have to be intentional as well. I love that. I love that quote. I think that's going to be the name of your episode. I'm <laughs> sure that. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here. And I want to say thank you for listening to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast, because without you all, we would not be here. And I have a very exclusive announcement to make. We are releasing a brand new show. That's right. We're coming out with a brand new podcast called What's On Your Timeline. We're taking that little segment out of our podcast. We're making it a brand new show exclusively on Patreon. So click the link below. Join our Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You'll get an episode every week of a raw unfiltered, unedited versions of us. You get to hear from me, Jalen, David, and even Jerry. You get to hear what we think about on our timeline. You get to hear what we're into, what are we listening to, what are we learning, and we'll get to even teach some things possibly. And I promise you, you won't regret it. We're going to talk about stocks. We're going to talk about crypto. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about the Federal Reserve. Hell, even in this last episode, we talked about Kwame Brown. You know, you're going to get the raw, unedited versions of us, and it is exclusively on Patreon, so click the link below. Check it out. Tell us what you think. If you want to join, like I said, again, click the link below. It's only $5. Literally a dollar, almost a dollar a week, you can get a brand new episode of What's On Your Timeline. So, and we appreciate y'all for rocking with us. Peace out. Yeah, And you kind of touched on the the trust trust twice. You already know I got to (laughs) ask because like, I know you said, you know, 
if you're not super rich, you might not need this, but still we might have some people who might need these trusts. So what's the benefit of having a trust right. versus a will? Right. And to be clear, anybody can have a trust. You don't have to be mm -hmm. wealthy. You might not need it for estate taxes, mm, but you okay. can do it for something else. So I'll use this analogy. When everybody was out in the streets, right, there will be crossing guards at the middle schools, the high schools. And the crossing guard is the main purpose is let's stop the traffic and let these students cross the street and get to the other side. That's the will. The will says, hold up. Nobody go to the house and start taking stuff. We have a document. We have instructions. Let me get these assets to the other side. And we're done here. So the will is just making sure that your favorite car goes to your niece and not your nephew. It's making sure that your home goes to your spouse and not your ex-spouse, right? It's acting as a crossing guard to get your assets from one side of the street to the other. Once I get it over, once it gets over the street, it's done. The crossing guard doesn't follow the student to the classroom. They shouldn't, unless they're a creep, right? Um, so that's the job of the will. It's just getting the assets to the other side, to the people that are supposed to be there. The trust is if you want to control and hold on to that asset for a longer period of time, you mm. have long-term distribution goals for that particular asset. So quick example, I want to give you $100,000. I could give it to you in a will. Say, here's a hundred grand. And I could do whatever the hell I want with it. you could do whatever grand. you want with it. You could go build a house or you could literally throw it in the fireplace, right? The will can't tell you what to do with it. But if I want to control how you receive it, when you receive it, if I want to put conditions on it, then I need that trust. Because then I can say, here's a hundred grand, but only 10 grand every year for 10 years. Make it almost like an Exactly. Here's a hundred grand, but only use it to start a business or only use it to use as a down payment on your first home. So that's why mm. I was saying generational wealth isn't just like, I've left you this big ass house. Maybe I can just leave you like seed money. Mm -hmm. to right? get you started, to get you started. So I can do that using a trust. So if you run into a situation where you have more long-term goals, you want property to stay in the family, like, Hey, everybody, we can use this Brooklyn brownstone, but don't sell it. Mm -hmm. Keep it in the family. That's where you use the trust. So the trust allows you to hold assets and have more long-term distribution language. Whereas the will is Here's your 100K. We're done here. Because you want the will process, that probate process, mm -hmm. to be as fast and quick as possible. Mm. Yeah. So with trust, trust recognizes their own legal entities. They are, they, are. are they taxed differently than like people? They are not taxed differently, but they're just taxed at the highest tax bracket. Mm. Once there's about $2,000 of income in there, it's all the way up at that 39 or 37% high bracket that it is right now. Jeez. So it's taxed like an individual is just taxed like the wealthiest individual. Mm. Yeah. So if you broke, there's not the best option if you ain't got a lot of money in there. If, it, if you're keeping the money inside the trust, mm -hmm. then if you're generating income. So let's say I have a rental property in there and it kicks off five G's every month. If I keep the five G's in the trust, then the trust has to pay the 37 or the 39% on the five G's. But if I tell the trust to distribute it to y'all and you're in the 25% tax bracket, then you pay the taxes. Ah, so okay. you want to distribute it to the trust beneficiaries because they're more likely in a lower tax bracket mm, versus okay. keeping it inside the trust and having the trust paid at the higher tax bracket. It all depends upon what asset we're talking about, but that's the general rule. Mm, yeah. Okay. I just want to go into like, Revocable, rev yeah, revocable, irrevocable. versus okay. irrevocable trust. Also, because I know there's two different types of them. So, right. what's the difference with those two? 
and how would you apply each type? Got it. You know, the best way to describe it is firstly, there's a bunch of trust, like all sorts of acronyms. There's a SLAD, there's a SPAT, there's an IDGIT, and they all, IDGIT, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they all either fall under the revocable umbrella or the irrevocable. And the main difference is irrevocable can't be changed generally. Once you set it and forget it, it's done. You can't go back in there and say, oh, I need to change the beneficiaries. Oh, just let me hold a couple of dollars from there. Like you have to set it and forget it. The reason people will do that is typically going to be those wealthy persons who owe estate taxes, right? Because here's the general rule. If you don't own it, they can't tax it. That quote, own nothing, control Control everything. everything. Yes, exactly. If you don't own it, they can't tax it. So let's say this is a million dollars. Mm-hmm. And the IRS was like, oh, we see Lily's million dollars. We can't wait till she dies because then we'll tax that at 40%, right? Sheesh. If I put this into a trust, then I can say, you can't. I don't so got that. ain't mine. mine. That's like putting in your mom's name. But mine. they can still tax it at the 39%, right? No. No. Because then depends you distribute on what, to the beneficiary? Yeah, because it depends on what's in here. So that's a great question. If my million dollars is invested in the trust and it's earning income, then yes, they're taxing the income, Mm -hmm. but we're not taxing the million dollars that I put in there because it had already been taxed when Mm. I owned it. Right. Okay. I got you. You So it can't, I got you. Okay. So with the irrevocable, I'm going to do that because this is, you mentioned earlier about it being a separate entity. This trust is its own separate tax entity. So we'll actually use the cup as the example. And then like the T in there as my assets, this is its own holding company. It has its own tax ID number and everything. So whatever I put in here and I put the lid on it, it no longer belongs to me. Why would I do that? I'm going to do that because I owe estate taxes and I want to start putting money in here. Why would I do that? I might get sued one day. Like gynecologists have high uh, lawsuit rates. So I might want to put assets in there so that I'm not sued. There's all sorts of reasons why I would want to protect what's in this trust. The irrevocable means I do it. I put a lid on it and I can't go in there anymore. I would only really recommend that for someone who's really concerned about creditors Mm -hmm. or if they're concerned about divorce or if they are concerned about estate taxes. They're wealthy Mm -hmm. enough to owe estate taxes. Then we can start talking about the irrevocable trust. Other than that, you can use a revocable trust, which accomplishes the same thing, except it's not a separate entity from you. The IRS still looks at you as if you still own What's inside that revocable trust? Got you. Okay. Yeah. So I always was wondering what that the difference of and the revocable trust, you can always go in and change. Yes, it. and you can always make changes. So what happens to revocable trust after someone dies? Then it becomes irrevocable. Ah. Right. Okay. Because you've died now and you can't make changes to it. Only you who created it can make changes. So just some terminology, the person who creates the trust is a grantor. Mm -hmm. Whomever you name to follow the instructions, that's your trustee. And whoever benefits from the trust is the beneficiary. So grantor, trustee, beneficiary. Once the grantor passes away and it's a revocable trust, then it becomes irrevocable. It's locked. There's nothing to do. All the trustee has to do at that point is just follow the instructions that are in there. Mm. So I have another question. Mm -hmm. What happens if the trustee dies? You should have a backup trustee. I always ask my clients to name a successor. Some of them name one backup. Some of them name two backups. Especially if you're an older client and all your family, your friends are older, you all might start passing away around Mm -hmm. the same time. So try to look for a younger trustee because statistically speaking, they should outlive you and they'll be there even after you pass away. 
And this is the way that some of the old money, like the Rockefellers and mm-hmm. the Waltons, were able to pass down their wealth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, well, be, well beyond. The There's yes. the Waltons. Walmart. Yeah, Walmart's in a trust, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they use these documents. There's a book. Don't quote me on it. It's something about, like, what would the Rockefellers do? Mm-hmm. Insurance. They use life insurance. Mm. There's a requirement that these Rockefellers purchase life insurance and put it inside the trust. Wow. You can put your insurance policy yep. in the trust? Yes, like as the trust can be the beneficiary of yep. your insurance policy? Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yep. That's a whole different game. It's a whole different game. It's not uncommon for a client to say, okay, I got this million dollar policy. I want to leave it to my granddaughter, but I don't want to get her a million dollars. Can we put it inside of a trust with all of these instructions on how it's to be paid to her? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I have clients that will get together and say, the life insurance premium on grandma is pretty high. Can we all pitch in for the premium and buy a policy on her? And then when that policy is paid, that's what we use to fund everyone's college. That's what we use to start our new family adventure, whatever the case may be. So people are using life insurance like it's candy. It's the fastest way to multiply your dollar. I put in a dollar and the life insurance company gives my daughter $20. Why not? Why, why wouldn't I do that? This is like, that's easy. <laughs> so life insurance policies sometimes don't pay out, but I guess that's for those people who end up lapsing on it. Yes. I have never seen a policy not paid as long as the premiums were being kept up. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different types of products and each carrier has their own spin on a product to a certain extent. So you have to be careful about the specific asset that you're purchasing. But as a general rule, if I'm paying you the premiums every year, every month, whatever the contract says, and I pass away, there is absolutely no reason, unless I engage in fraud, there is absolutely no reason why the carrier should not pay that out to my beneficiary. I kind of want to go a little bit more with like the trust and like you were talking about putting the assets in it. Mm -hmm. That's called funding the trust, correct? Yes. And like, unless you have those assets within that trust, it's pretty much null and void. Like it doesn't even matter what you, so like, let's say you got the trust set up Mm -hmm. and you might have a home and you might say, okay, whenever I die, I want this home to stay within the family. If that's not within the trust, does it still? Uh, Great question. So you want to change the ownership of that asset and put it into the name of the trust because Mm -hmm. yes, you're right. You can have a trust that's not funded. So then you just have an expensive piece of paper. Mm. Damn. You need to move, act, take active mm-hmm. steps. Intentional. Put, exactly, because wealth is intentional. You have to start Trying putting to assets inside the trust. Certain things can just be named as the beneficiary. Like, for instance, life insurance. Do I have to change ownership and put it in the trust? I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I could just say the beneficiary, instead of it saying David, it says the Lily and Kinshore Family Trust dated, you know, February 20th, you know, 1925, right? then it will go in there. But for other certain assets like real property, mm-hmm. you'll want to put it in the name of the trust, put the asset in the name of the trust. Can you do that with stocks too? I was going to say stocks yeah. and like a retirement accounts as yep. well. Uh, I wouldn't do retirement accounts because retirement accounts are pre-tax dollars. Mm-hmm. And when you change ownership, all of the gain is taxed at once. Okay. Remember, when I put money into my 401k, I haven't paid taxes on any of those dollars. It's just been investing and Mm -hmm. growing for the past 30 years. When I start to take distributions, that's when I start paying taxes. But if for some reason I have this 401k and then I randomly change ownership to you or to my trust, then all the gain that's been sitting there gets hit with debt. Right then and there. 
So it's just the gain and not your contributions, right? The whole tax. thing, because these are all pre-tax contributions into these qualified Dang. plans. What if it was used like a Roth, though, like where it's pre? Yeah. So the Roth IRA is funded with after-tax dollars mm-hmm. and it's growing tax deferred. And then when I access it, it's tax free. So that's a good safe bet. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was having, I don't know who I was talking to. I was saying something about like taxes is the biggest impediment to your wealth. Hey, a lot of people think, oh, I'm just paying taxes when I go to the store and all of that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. they are hitting you over the head with these everywhere. taxes, Everywhere, man. everywhere. If every single dollar you own will eventually be taxed, you're not 40%. going to create wealth the way that you want to. You have to have some vehicle that will not be subject to tax. Maybe it's the Roth IRA. Maybe it's a muni bond. Maybe it's a certain type of insurance product. But what in your portfolio is free from taxes? Mm. That's how people are keeping their wealth. They have something that is not going to be taxed. Yeah. Hey, so if y'all can start <laughs> that Roth RA, there's a Roth 401k option too. Yes, so there is. Yes, there you is. can benefit from these things. Absolutely. And just start small. I know it can sometimes feel overwhelming when mm-hmm. we talk about wealth. It's like, oh, wealth. I ain't got no wealth. You got to be wealthy <laughs> to talk about wealth, right? <laughs> start small. Start, you know, little things like, you know, I get my refund check. It's not really, a, I mean, it's not a you, just, you just overpaid and they're giving it back to you. How about instead of, oh, I'm going shopping and no shit, I'm not trying to make it sound like treating yourself mm-hmm. isn't good. No, no. I'm it's just, a good conversation to have. Yeah, it's just a I just want you to know that you can invest the money. Even if your refund check is $600, you can just invest it. People, I, I actually tweeted that same thing like earlier this week. And people were like, uh, what do you mean? Like, why I can't go treat myself? It's like, bro, it's, <laughs> it's not that. I just, well, like you were saying earlier, right. wealth is intentional. Right. If you want to actually build something and leave something for the next generation, you need to start moving like that and think about it that way versus yes. sitting here like, oh, because uh, I learned about this concept recently. It's called mental accounting. That's why people, that's the idea that whenever they get this money back, that it was a gift because they didn't go and exchange their time for that money. They feel like it was a return. Mm-hmm. Those same people, they're not aware that this money was already, like you just said, you just overpaid the government right. based on your tax bracket. You gave them too much money. So you gave them an interest-free loan. But they perception of the money is that, it's not hard earned money. So uh-huh. I don't have to think about okay. how I'm going to pay my bills with this or how I'm going right. to use this to level up versus, right. oh, this is basically bullshitting money. Right. Like people with the lottery, same thing. Like, oh, I want all this money. Okay. They don't look at it the same way because yeah. they're like, I didn't do nothing for this. Right, right. No, I know that concept. I didn't know it was called mental accounting. That's really good. I just want us to be more balanced. Like if you get a $2,500 refund, and you want to treat yourself to a portion of it, fine, but also be intentional and say, what portion of this can I invest? Mm-hmm. What portion of this can I use to get the will that I know I should have gotten a long time ago? That's all. Go mm-hmm. ahead and do something nice for yourself, yeah. but also be intentional about the other aspects of your life. And I got to say this, because we speaking on investing. I always want people to think with this first too, like that statistic, 78% of people live in paycheck to paycheck. A bunch of people mm-hmm. don't have an emergency fund, you get that refund, that should be your first priority mm-hmm. in my head. Like if you don't have at least a thousand, two thousand dollars saved up, put a little something in there. Like you like right. you said, still treat yourself. Right. But like maybe you want to look at paying down some debt or maybe mm-hmm. you want to look at saving up some of that money because we can't enjoy the fruits of our investments yes. if we sitting here and uh like we got all this debt whenever we die. Now we gotta 
like you were talking about earlier, just passing this shit down yes. versus like you taking care of your priorities whenever right. you were here. No, that's a good point. I love that 78%. Well, I don't love it, but I love that you shared it mm-hmm. because I think people understood that intellectually when COVID hit, we really got yeah. to see, oh, you paycheck to paycheck. Oh, I thought that was just an expression. Mm-hmm. You don't have next month's rent like, yeah. for real. People got to see that over the past almost year now. Can you that's, believe it? That's really that crazy. is the craziest part. That yeah. it's almost been a year almost that we've been, been dealing with this. Yeah, I remember March came. I was like, I'm sorry, you don't want me to come to work? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was hurt then that we hopped into full-time entrepreneurship right before the pandemic. Ooh. Yeah, I was a teacher. The pandemic did as well. You know, our business took off. It was crazy. We had the best year ever. Yeah. But like I was hurt because I was a school teacher prior to this. Mm. And like when the pandemic hit. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. They was getting paid to do nothing. I was like, damn, if I'd have held out for like a month, (laughs) I could have got paid. (laughs) That is true. You could have been paid and then here doing your podcast. It's okay. Listen, I don't know what people's spiritual or religious beliefs are, but I believe in God and I believe Mm -hmm. that God will order your steps. He will bless your actions. He will bless your intentions. And Mm -hmm. so even though it looks like, ah, I could have, you don't even know what's waiting for you around the corner. Amen. You don't even know. Amen. Gonna be something like, oh shoot, I'm rich. (laughs) (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) By being obedient. That's the biggest word, obedience. Yeah, that's a tricky for some of us. (laughs) I mean, we ain't even gonna get into it. (laughs) But yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy Kelly here. And I want to say thank you for listening to the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast because without you all, we would not be here. And I have a very exclusive announcement to make. We are releasing a brand new show. That's right. We're coming out with a brand new podcast called What's On Your Timeline. We're taking that little segment out of our podcast. We're making it a brand new show exclusively on Patreon. So click the link below. Join our Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You'll get an episode every week of a raw, unfiltered, unedited versions of us. You get to hear from me, Jalen, David, and even Jerry. You get to hear what we think about on our timeline. You get to hear what we're into, what are we listening to, what are we learning, and we'll get to even teach some things possibly. And I promise you, you won't regret it. We're going to talk about stocks. We're going to talk about crypto. We're going to talk about real estate. We're going to talk about the Federal Reserve. Hell, even in this last episode, we talked about Kwame Brown. You know, you're going to get the raw, unedited versions of us. And it is exclusively on Patreon, so click the link below. Check it out. Tell us what you think. If you want to join, like I said, again, click the link below. It's only $5. Literally a dollar, almost a dollar a week, you can get a brand new episode of What's On Your Timeline. So, and we appreciate y'all for rocking with us. Peace out. What's good, family? Jalen here. I have some great news to share with you. We have recently launched BWR Academy, the number one online school and community focused on teaching personal finance and wealth building principles. By becoming a member, you will gain access to premium financial education covering the topics of credit and financing, 
debt repayment strategies, retirement planning. That's right, we're going over 401ks, IRAs, and everything in between. Life insurance, we'll be having weekly budgeting and accountability calls, and so much more. You will also gain access to a powerful network. For years, we have been preaching, your network is your net worth. So here's your chance to increase your social capital. We will be having many of our previous podcast guests coming back to teach exclusive classes that can only be found through BWR Academy. We have also partnered with Capital, a premier financial app that will allow you to participate in our quarterly savings challenge. We have a goal of helping a thousand families save $1 million collectively. We'll make sure that you are not a part of the 74% that cannot afford a $1,000 emergency. So if this sounds like the type of environment you would like to be a part of, make sure you sign up by clicking the link in the show notes. Make sure you sign up now because spots are extremely limited. See you in the academy. I'm kind of glad that we got into the business tip and stuff. Now that we kind of went a little bit deeper into the estate planning, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to talk about what has entrepreneurship been like for you? And like, um, when did you transfer from the corporate life, you know, being in the financial to actually moving into your own firm? Okay. When did it happen? <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, I started it in 2019, but my feet didn't move until 2020 because then I had the bandwidth. Mm-hmm. My corporate job is very intense. It's very intense. So the idea of also doing something on the side just didn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. But when I was fit, found myself physically in the home where I could do a lot more and not have to run around the city, that's when it felt like, okay, let me actually see how good I can get at this now that I don't have an excuse. That was COVID or not COVID itself, the pandemic itself, but the restrictions that it placed on some of us allowed us to reprioritize, mm-hmm. allowed us to realize, okay, that was just a story I was telling myself. If I'm really honest with myself, I was just scared to death to do it. Mm. So I opened the firm two years prior, but I hadn't done anything with it because at that time I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel good enough, right? Because I'm used to being in a space with other attorneys. So I can go down the hall and be like, oh, Jalen, I want to bounce this idea off of you. When you are a solopreneur, there is no Jalen. I'm like, what if I don't know the answer? Who am I going to call? That type of thing. So I would say, even though I started it in 2018 or yeah, 2018 or 2019, I didn't actually start to move and have the belief in myself that I could do it until basically last year. Mm. And that, that's powerful that you share that because it's like you have 13 years of experience mm. in this field. <laughs> I know. And even know. when you stepping into entrepreneurship, like you have the corporate background and all that, mm-hmm. you still get hit with imposter syndrome basically yeah. mm-hmm. like that feeling i feel like with entrepreneurship we don't talk about it enough right because it's almost like no matter how hard you go so no matter how well you do mm-hmm. it's always like this little voice in the back of your head yes. that's like am i doing this right am i doing this right am i good enough am i exactly and then you and depending upon what level of perfectionism you ascribe to you're thinking it has to be like this and if it doesn't look like this, then it's crap, right? So you keep holding yourself to this ridiculous standard and comparing yourself and psyching yourself out of the gifts that God has already given you. Talk about it. That's so powerful. It's like, I just had to kind of like leap and be like, all right, there's going to be something to catch me when I fall down there. That's how I started. 
Mm. And remember when I spoke about having the right people around you? Mm-hmm. I had the right people around me. Well, Lil, stop lying. That's exactly what I was about to say. Like, you're talking about, you know, you couldn't go walk walk down the hallway, but you still had access to that I network. I did. They, I you, they probably that. wasn't down the hallway, but you could pick up the phone I and did. call them. And I didn't know that I had to, ch- I had to imagine something differently for myself. Mm. So you know how, like, my mom was scared to death because she didn't think people would hire a black woman? That was because that's what she saw. I was scared for myself because I had never been trained to think like an entrepreneur. Mm. So I had to get over that self-limiting belief as well. Once I realized, oh, these people are just kind of winging it too. I can wing it. That's the essence of entrepreneurship. Figure it out. <laughs> that's the truth. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos is probably like, He's like you know I wonder when they're going to figure yeah. out. I don't know what the hell going on. He's like, this turned out better than I thought. I was just selling books in the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, that's not to say you shouldn't be tight and know your stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just to say, remove that spirit of insecurity Mm. or have a way to manage it. You're never going to remove it. Have a way to manage that energy or that spirit of insecurity, because that will hold you back from your greatness if you keep thinking I'm not good enough. Mm. Yeah. So can I ask you a question? What was the most difficult thing? Once you really got started in 2020, what was one of the, the things where you're like, oh, I'm in here. I'm, I, I didn't jump off the deep end. For me, because I was doing both jobs, it was juggling both jobs. Like I said, the corporate job was demanding. It wasn't like I was building a firm and then also working at like something really easy. Yeah. They were both really difficult. So that feeling of dropping the ball, mm-hmm. if you drop the ball once in a while, you, you know, it's okay. I had this constant feeling that I was dropping all the ball. All the balls were on the floor. And I was just trying to gather it up and hope nobody noticed. <laughs> I, had, I had that feeling all the time. That's when I knew, oh, I'm really in here because I'm responsible for people's estate plan. I'm, parents are calling me. People are telling me their stories. I got to go to court virtually. That's when I felt like, and the very pointed thing was a client reached out to me to be guardian of his mother who was dealing with Alzheimer's. So she can't do anything for herself. And I went to court and I advocated on his behalf and I got him the guardianship. And the way he was so appreciative, mm. I was just like, oh, good today. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, I did good today. Yay. That's when I was like, oh, I'm in here. You can't tell me nothing now because I'm doing God's work. Mm. I love it. Yeah. That's beautiful. So with entrepreneurship, I know you mentioned your team a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. How has that process been? Because we love to talk about building teams. On and expanding, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. I learned the hard way. That's when I realized, oh, you can't do all of this by yourself. Because even when you see a successful business, it's not one person. Mm-hmm. As you're going to have to cap out. I was seeing something recently about like, if you're trying to make 200, 300, half a million dollars a year, you can't do that on your own unless you just have like a what is those things when people just kind of like sell? Drop shipping? Mer- yes, exactly. Like, okay, there's this warehouse somewhere that has a whole bunch of t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And when someone and orders just the running t-shirt, ads and, and I just send it out when you order. Um, outside of that, you're not going to get to the next echelon if everything has to flow through you. That's mm-hmm. like having a dam trying to flow through a straw. Especially mm-hmm. a service-based business. Especially service-based. So I had to look at my business and say, what's the thing that I need the most help with? I need someone who has some legal acumen, but they don't necessarily have to be an attorney. So that's when I hired a paralegal. So I'm like, you can draft the document, like generally speaking, and then I'm going in to make sure all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. These clients want to talk to you all the time, which is fantastic, but I can't talk to them all the time. I need someone else to answer the phones. That's when the intern came in. 
Then I needed someone else to respond to emails and set up calendar invitations and call people back and mail the documents to their house after I created it. That's when the admin came in. So it's me going through the process and recognizing where I'm not strong. Mm. It's okay to say, you know what? I suck at ABC. I'm going to find a who. There there we go. I'm going to find a who. Instead of me trying to figure out, I need to take another class to learn data processing with Excel sheets. Find someone who knows how to do it. They already took the class. The the learning curve and the process down a lot. Exactly. Because the truth is, I don't want to learn it. I just want the benefits of it. Mm. So let me get someone who already learned it so I can get the benefits of it. So it was trial and error in realizing I need someone to take care of this. I need someone to take care of that. I trust you. You have to know how to delegate because I hired these people and I still I wasn't giving them the work Mm. because I was used to doing Mm -hmm. it myself. So one day I was just like, you have an admin. Why have you not called her to tell her to do this stuff? She's probably waiting for you, wondering why you're not using her yet. I was still in the Lone Ranger mentality. Mm. So you can hire these people, but you have to practice delegating. You have to practice training them and you have to practice correcting them. If you're not training your team and you're looking at them while they're looking at you, and I just hired a bunch of people for no reason. Talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be able to train you on how I want things to be done and be as specific and anal as you want to be. It's your business, but you have to train them. And then when you train them, you have to let them go, which means they will make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that is okay. Because you're going to make mistakes too. Because I, I can't, I'm not hiring robots. I'm hiring other human beings who will make mistakes. And you have to let them know that it is okay to make mistakes yes. too. Because sometimes, you know, people, they're like, oh man, I don't want to, it's okay to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like it's a part of growing. Right. And I definitely agree with you on with that. Like, just let them go. Let them let be. go. Yeah. Like someone on my team made a mistake and it cost $1,200. Like, <laughs> oh. But I was like, it's okay. It's $1,200. I'll get it out of your paycheck if it don't come back. <laughs> Hey, that's, that's one of the, hey, that's how you, comes back. that's how that correction, that's how you correct That's how you correct, you won't be making that mistake again. Yeah, so, but you, gonna think about it. Go. you have to let them do their thing. And you, I like collaboration. So it's nothing for me to go to my team and say, I'm thinking we should add this new thing to our practice. What do y'all think? And go back and forth. That's just my style. So figure out what your style is, your team style. You're creating a tribe. Mm-hmm. Visualization might be a strong word, but I replay in my mind the life that I want to have. Mm. And a tribe is part of that. So it's to me not surprising that I have three team members. Like I visualize, I think about, daydream about, whatever you want to call it, how my life is going to look and feel. I love it. This has been a whole sermon with the whole (laughs) entrepreneurship. I promise you, because it's like, that's the hardest part for anybody, especially. Mm-hmm. And I love that we catching you right now. Yeah, you know, You're taking this leap right into yes. entrepreneurship. Yes. Because I know one year from now, two years from now, five years from now, it's going to look completely different. And whenever we get you back on here, it's going to be like, hey, y'all remember we talked to Lily the first time? Yes. Look at her. Now she got 200 employees. 200 employees. <laughs> she got 50 attorneys working for her. Listen, not no, not no paralegals, just attorneys too. Yeah, lips to God's ears. Yeah, that's my goal. I'm aiming high. And if I fall a little short, at least I had the gall to do it. Mm. So I just want us to have this information. I just got to a point where I was just like, okay, you got a lot of knowledge. You're just going to collect these paychecks or you're going to bring back the information. Mm. And I didn't want to do the formal. I was like, girl, you better shut up and get these paychecks. <laughs> but that little thing on your shoulder was like, mm-hmm, I think there's more. I think there's more. I think there's more. And then I finally listened. So 
if you have a little voice on your shoulder and you're not ready to listen to it, that's okay. But eventually that voice will get louder and you will figure out your next right move. It may not look like anybody else's, but you'll figure out your next right move. Mm, yeah. That's they tapped in and listen to that call. And that little voice that there calling. for long enough, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was it's telling the- her, shut up, Beck. Mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> These checks is nice. <laughs> But she was like, yeah, they're nice, but I think there's something more rewarding out there. Take a chance on yourself. Never have you taken a chance on yourself. Mm, you did got everything a yourself. by the book. Go ahead and take a chance on yourself. And I was like, all right, I want to be able to write a dope story. Let me take a chance on myself. Hey, I love it. It's going to be a dope story. Too. <laughs> Thank you. Lily, we're going to go you. ahead. We're going to pivot into the last segment of the show. So okay. we're going to do uh, what's on your timeline. So I want to ask you, what's something you've seen on social media, the news, anywhere that you just want to speak on? Could be anything that stood out to you? It could even be a recent law change on aviation in Arlington. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about aviation. Um, What's something that I saw on Timeline recently? Oh, it was a post. I can't remember the specifics of it, but it was something about being gentle with yourself. Mm. And it caused me to pause because... I am very hard on myself. I know that. And I didn't know that until COVID. People told me that, but I used to be like, girl, shut up. You got to be hard on yourself. That's how you hustle. That's how you're successful. I'm out here. I'm out here heavy, right? Not until COVID happened did I realize, oh, you beat yourself up a lot. You need to let a lot of that go, that pursuit of perfection. You need to let that go. So when I saw this on my timeline, it was something about like, you can be great, you can go hard, and you can be gentle. Mm, I like that. Everything doesn't have to be binary. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. you're Black lazy or work hard. Like I can work hard and be gentle with myself. I can work hard and take rest periods. I can work hard and still tell my clients, no, not today. So that just reminded me to be gentle with myself because I can go hard and run myself into the ground and then two weeks be like, why my hair falling out? Girl, because you haven't slept in three weeks. <laughs> That's why. So I try to be gentle with myself. Mm, I like and, that. I like that. I don't know about balance because balance makes it seem like it's like this. I aim for counterbalance. So if my life is because balance makes it seem like you're not going to have equal. Yes. There's going to be a time in your life when you have to go hard in your business. Mm -hmm. People are just going to have to understand you are not coming to their baby shower. I will send you this gift. And that's what it's going to be. I'll see you whenever they come in. Yeah. I'll go hard for your business. That baby's going to be there. Right. But then there's going to be other times when you tell your clients, I can't come to this meeting. We're growing a family together Mm -hmm. or something else is happening. You just have to look at it and be like, I think I'm skewed a little too heavy towards this right now. Let me add in a little bit more. But it's okay to be like going hard for your family or going hard for your business or going hard for relaxation. Balance to me is like, am I doing the thing that I want to do in this moment? If I'm doing the thing that I want to do, then I'm okay. And if that means I can't come to your baby shower, I'm okay with that too. I like that. Yeah, I like how you look at it like that. Yeah, it's like I'm balanced. Oh, balance. I ain't got no balance. I'm never going to have balance <laughs> <laughs> because you're always going to see me going hard for something. It's not going to be. Whether it's relaxing or going yes. hard and working. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, <clears throat> that's my definition of trying to have a counterbalance. Hmm. So, I like, I like yeah, I like yeah. the analogy with that. Yeah. And I got one more question yeah. for you. I want to know what's your why? Why are you doing this? What makes you tick? What makes you so and not afraid now. Why am I doing this? Um, it might not be the right answer right now, but I feel 
obligated to do it. I just have this sense of obligation because of everything that I've learned and everything that I've seen. I feel like I should be sharing it with other people. Like just to keep it to collect a paycheck doesn't make sense anymore. And I don't see a lot of people who look like me talking in this way about these concepts. So I feel obligated to do it right now. And not in like a, oh, woe is me. It excites me to do it. So I'm doing what I'm doing because I feel like who else? Who's going to do it? You have to do it. You've been collecting all of this information for all of these years. You weren't doing it. You weren't collecting that information just for yourself. Mm. So that's why I'm doing it. That's powerful. I love that. I really do. And I want you to know that it's appreciated. I know our audience will <laughs> appreciate this Thank one. You. They definitely, I feel like they're going to be blowing up your inbox. After this ah, one, go this ahead. Is, gonna be, this is a good one. This has been a great episode. Thank you. Uh, so Lily. I thought it was fantastic. Thank y'all for yeah, doing what you I enjoyed doing. it. Thank you for coming kick it with us. You're welcome. Pulling up on us. Anytime y'all let me know when you want to do it again. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so for our audience though, for anybody that wants to follow you or they want to get follow to up, yeah, and, uh, get with your services. Are yes. you licensed in all 50 states? No, no. <laughs> I'm licensed in New York, New Jersey, DC, and I'm working on Maryland. Then I'll work on North Carolina. Then I'll work on Georgia. Because my vision is, let me be a premier firm on the East Coast. Mm. All of our Black people are hanging out right now, mm -hmm. right? But you can find me on Instagram, Lily underscore Inkenshore underscore PC. So it's my first name, underscore, last name, underscore PC. I'll be there. You can send me any messages you have on my website, lilyinkenshore.com. I'm there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, the same name, YouTube, the same name. Make it easy. So they're making it easy. It's a unique name, the last name. So you're not going to find anybody else. Mm. Yeah. I love it. Well, once again, thank you so much for, you. for being on here. Before we wrap this thing up, we're going to do a couple of house cleaning items. Okay. As always, everybody, thank y'all for tuning into the Black Wealth Renaissance podcast. This has been yet another amazing episode. want to ask that you like, subscribe, rate, comment on whatever platform you're on helps us grow the show and helps mm -hmm. it get out to more people who need to hear this message and if you found it helpful share it just share it share it to family friends whoever you think could use this type of information share it if this is your first time listening to us thank you for tapping that button hitting the play button we hope that you enjoyed this if you've been rocking with us thank you for being a part of our family y'all know our goal for this year we're trying to get to 20 plus thousand listeners every week on the pod we know we know y'all can help us so y'all please help us grow family um and just be in store for this great year that we got yes indeed and on that note this is black wolf renaissance signing out peace hi I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.